0: Michael Robson, it's been way too long. We're back at Ruben's Burger Bistro here in Boulder,
1: Colorado with Just Like Butter. Another addition. It's been more than two weeks, eh? How'd the weekend go? It was awesome. Um, well, it was still way too hot for cross, and um, I'm still waiting patiently. A lot of us are waiting patiently for the cross weather to come. But um, 90%
0: yeah. chance of rain on Wednesday. Oh, uh,
1: Yeah, that's not next Saturday, though. <laughs> Um, a foot of snow. That's when you've got my attention. One foot of snow, I love it. Um, yeah, it's a, it's still it's still really hot. Even on Sunday, it was just it was, I don't know. I guess it was mid seventies or something. It was blazing hot, it was totally hot. Yeah, I mean that's hard. It's hard to go that hard in you know doing a cross race. When you're not going that fast. You're not getting your your body's not getting that cooled off. Well, foot of
0: snow, that kind of leads into our topic for tonight. Mm. Uh, I was going to call the show Breaks Like Butter, but that didn't really you know, <laughs> work.
1: <laughs> butter, butter doesn't break very well. If you put butter on your braking surfaces, you're probably going to go faster.
0: <laughs> but uh, you know, riding today with carbon rims and cork pads, it was raining hard up on old stage. I heard it wasn't raining down here, but... Uh, I'm coasting down and see a deer on the side of the road, which freaks me which out. Which freak, yeah, obviously. And uh, hit the brakes, and there's no stopping power there at all. So. Yeah.
1: Well, you know, and we touched on this earlier in the year when we were talking about the Tour de France and all the crashes yep. and stuff. And, you know, I, I really, I, I thoroughly believe over the years when you reef the brakes on on carbon rims, you know, especially on a cantilever cross bike um, back when we rode them, um, your bike would actually speed up a little bit first and then it would start to slow down. It's, you know, it's very unnerving. And um, it's weird in Cross because the Belgies are really sticking with it. They're really, really sticking with cantilevers. And if they you are. have... Oh, yeah. If you have a good set of cantilevers that are well set up, they work surprisingly well. But it, it takes significantly more hand force than it does to, to operate um, a hydraulic disc brake. So, um, it, it, I think... Uh, you know, I would definitely rather have disc brakes. So you'd rather have disc brakes? I mean, it gives you more wheel selection, actually, doesn't it? Well, yeah. I mean, as of just recently, there's, a, there's way more disc brake wheels on, on the market. Um, I'd say it's probably about 50-50 right now. A lot of manufacturers are definitely starting to make specific wheels for cyclocross and for disc disc brakes and for, you know, like the gravel grinder set. Um, and I just did a whole bunch of a whole bunch of testing on tubeless wheels, and there's a lot to choose from out there now. There's a bunch of good stuff. A lot of a lot of companies will just tell you to run their mountain bike wheels, like Envy and Stans will both just say right, ride their um, their cross country mountain bike wheels with cross tires on them, and you know that works great because the you know the standard is. The standard is you know 142 through axle or 135 quick release. Um, so the discs vault you know, the disc rotors and calipers and everything fall in the same place. So the selection's pretty good for equipment right now.
0: Now, but in snow, ice, slush, heavy mud, you're still going to get some interference, aren't you, with the braking surface?
1: Yeah, but it, it um the the disc brake calipers just have so much more power, and they and you know it's obviously like a. a the, the brake pads are designed to grab the, the metal rotor, so it's it 's a way more effective system than just trying to grab the rims with a, you know with a lot less mechanical advantage so even in really high contaminant situations with mud and um, mud and especially like rain and sand you' you 're going to have still have really really effective and predictable braking so that 's the big thing is that, is braking predictability like you pull on the brakes and something actually happens like you know you 're saying. When you pull on the brakes on with, with uh, carbon rims half the time, you speed up a little bit before you start slowing down. And, and it, it gives like you a bit of a fright. So, um, you know, and it's just it's like, I get a little conflicted, actually, because I look at all the, almost all the Euro guys are still riding cantilevers And those guys do fine. And you don't actually do a ton of heavy braking in cross, um, except for if you, you know just going down some crazy bomb with a corner at the end of it. But once again, the Belgians seem to do okay with it. One thing I've found is it just, it really decreases all the upper body tension in, in your body. Like it, it takes, you know, instead of having your hands crunching down on the brakes and, and having your hands working way too hard to get braking power, even when you're under, you know, full braking, chattering down a hill like I, like I was on, um, on Saturday and Sunday at Valmont here in Boulder, you do, you, you're not pulling that hard on the brakes that it really creates a lot of tension in your upper body and that obviously dramatically improves your handling. So,
0: at the People's UCI race this weekend, hmm. um, what would you say was the um, ratio of disc brakes to oh,
1: normal brakes? In, in, in the U.S., disc brakes are pretty much ubiquitous Far at this away. point. Oh, okay. yeah, by a long shot. There's a, there's a few guys out there with cantilevers, but almost everybody would be on discs now. And, you know, America... Um, the US is uh, always sort of the early adopter when it comes to technologies like this. So this, the disc brake thing is, has picked up and taken off and, and in a lot of ways in cross taken almost completely over here in the US while the, the Belgians and the, the Euros are still kind of standing around twiddling their thumbs kind of wondering what to do next, wondering if they're going to do it or not. And, you know, you have guys like Matthew van der Poel and Lars van der Haar and um, even now this year Sven Nice riding disc brake bikes a lot in the Euro races, and um, you know those those guys are up the front and winning. Lars van der Haar won on um, on Sunday at Valkenburg, so I mean it's it's not like it's exactly slowing him down. Now your team on Moots, Yep.
0: What's Frame Builder feel about this?
1: Oh man, I kind of feel sorry for those guys. I think they kind of hate it. There's just a <laughs> there's a lot of different stuff they have to do. Um, you know, because I mean that is extra effort on their part well yeah and every time every time someone comes out with a new standard <laughs> which isn't one um they have to you know they have to design around it and work out how it works and then you know go go through issues of of it failing and not working and then redesigning it and you know like i, I even know at butter just for for us having to work out how to make a chain holder for through access we went through several generations of that and just having problems with one manufacturer that just made you know like made their Rear, their rear end just a little bit different and it was really really hard to adapt so you know I see the frame manufacturers sort of struggling with it you know that we've been on disc brakes for uh, the last few you know everyone's sort of been heavily into disc brakes for the last few years now it's really gotten in and taken off the hydraulics have really gotten a lot, a lot better and a lot once again more ubiquitous so now um, the trend is going towards having through axles like mountain bikes so yeah. the, the, the new Moots that I just took delivery of on uh, Sunday um, is actually a through-axle bike. So now you have disc brakes, through-axles. So, and what happens then is the impetus is on the wheel builders to, um, to basically supply the consumer with everything they could possibly need for any possible frame that they're going to try, to, try and put, the bike, put on the bike. Uh, any, any frame they're going to try and put their wheels on, I mean. So, um, you know, Mavic's actually really, really good at this. They're, all of their new stuff, their new all road line and the, the new carbon ceriums, um, in the box when you get it is just a blister pack of every possible end cap and, and quick release skewers oh, and every single thing you could possibly need to put those wheels on any bike you could possibly think of. And that's really cool, but but the impetus really is on the on the um, frame manufacturers and on the wheel manufacturers to make sure people have those options and have those choices. You know, sometimes you'll, you'll you'll get a set of test wheels and the the appropriate end caps for quick release or or 12 millimeter front end through axle won't be available, and that's kind of you know like you said, it's just it's just kind of a pain in the ass to deal with that stuff.
0: Just like butter, we're at Ruben's Burger Bistro, Boulder, Colorado. I'm George Thomas here with Michael Robson. We are talking brakes. Yeah. Probably brakes with
1: cyclocross. What's that?
0: With cyclocross bikes.
1: With what? That's the focus. Yeah, oh yeah, yeah, that's what yeah. we're talking no, about. Yeah. I was wondering where you're going with that line of questioning, man. No, Um. the disc brake thing, you know, I, I coach juniors, which is. Which... And juniors was
0: what I was going to bring up next so oh awesome okay
1: well we'll just jump straight into that one thing I have noticed with the juniors and you know I'm sure with, with anyone with with you know smaller hands that aren't so strong maybe you know smaller women junior kids young kids the disc brakes are absolutely phenomenal for them Fantastic. because it because once again they can be way more relaxed on the bike and you know the really little kids you see out there racing you know the, the 10 8 10 12 year olds, they go railing into a corner, and their hands are so small and and so not strong that they'll reef on the brakes with everything they've got, and they really don't know if it's if their bike's going to slow down or not. Like they, you can I was going to say, with an
0: eight, nine, ten-year-old, are you
1: seeing them with a top-end bike? I mean, are they? Oh, in Boulder, you do. Yeah, you like do. people turn up with some pretty pretty Gucci stuff to the coaching, but there's kids that just have. You know, like the old cantilever stuff. But one thing I've noticed with a lot of my juniors is they, you know, they they get involved in the sport. Um, you know, a few of the kids that have been riding riding with my group for a few years now, they get involved in the sport. They typically came in on a cantilever bike because that's all they had. And the second they they graduated to a disc brake bike, a mechanical disc brake bike, or even a hydraulic bike, that their um, their racing performance and their handling ability just skyrocketed instantly because they just weren't afraid anymore. They weren't afraid that the bike wasn't going to stop. They know that it's actually going to happen when they pull on the brakes. And that's a big deal. Like I think that's a really, really big deal for kids.
0: Let's talk about Boulder Juniors just for a minute because you've been associated with that organization for quite some time and, and some of your juniors, when you started, were up racing uh, senior now. Oh, my God. It's, it's and doing uh, absolutely well. amazing.
1: There's, there's a whole bunch of kids now who came up through our program, who I've known since they were, you know, eight and ten years old, and um, and they're starting to ride in elite fields and kick us. You know, we had on, on the weekend, I mean, just off the top of my head, we had Grant Elwood, um, who's who came up through the BJC program, and I think he got top ten in the in the elite race on Sunday. I don't know how he did on Saturday. We've got Max Chance, who came through our program, Ian McPherson, who came through our program, um, young Eric Brunner who's just... Um, He's still actually in BJC, the BJC program, as, oh, is. As, as is Grant Elwood, like they're, they're in the BJC elite team. And um, Eric Bruno's. I, I think he got um, second in an elite race here in Boulder. And he's, he's 17 years old for crying out loud. I mean, these these kids are unbelievable and it's it, it's truly a, a incredible and beautiful honor to watch them come up through the program and watch them not only turn into really good bike riders, but they're all really, really good kids.
0: This was the first race where the butter team actually raced as a team together. How did it go?
1: It was great. I mean, it was the first time we were sort of all together in one place, sort of officially for a weekend. So um, yeah, it was great to get the, the boys down here. We just we had such a flipping blast. My wife was out of town, so we just had basically boys club on Saturday afternoon. Um, you know, instead of doing the Honeydew list on Saturday afternoon, we got back from the race and we watched our bikes. And I think we watched a bunch of Eddie Murphy movies, like back to back to back.
0: To back nice. Sat,
1: like sat around really on, good the, good on the couch. Oh, it was one of the best Saturday afternoons I can remember having in a really really long time. It was so incredibly laid back. Anyway, you know, we rolled over to Whole Foods and got some got something to eat. Came back. It was awesome.
0: So, back to braking,
1: Yeah. Uh, what do you see as kind of the future of brakes?
0: When uh, disc brakes came out, did you think they would evolve to this point? Are you oh, surprised yeah. at what's yeah. happening?
1: No, not at all. Like, I I, I I, figured, you know, especially in the U.S., that it would really take off. I'm actually surprised that the Belgians haven't, the Euros haven't adopted it as quickly. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I really thought that, you know, the, a few of the top Euros, once they started using it, like Sven Ice. Um, Matthew van der Poel, Lars van der Haar that it would really actually take off but then you still see basically the rest of the Euro peloton the rest of the Euro cross guys all running cantilevers so that's, I'm surprised it hasn't taken off yet but here in the US, I, and, and i you know across the board for disc brakes um, in a mountainous area like Colorado, you really see more of it um, the biggest problem is still heat Brakes overheat and the, the the rotors burn up and the brakes you know fade or fail or you're constantly destroying equipment because you're because you're overheating your brakes and um, that's a problem that really really needs to be solved. Kind of stopping
0: issues, doesn't it?
1: Yeah, it's it's definitely not cool um, and that that's going to be the biggest barrier stopping disc brakes from from getting too far into the road. They're going to have to solve that problem and. I mean, maybe they can adopt technologies from um, from motorcycles or autos or something where they have dual layer disc rotors. Are you but, worrying about weight. Well, that was my next point. So you you try and sell that to anyone riding a bike, and they ask how much it weighs. So stuff like that, you know, double layered like sandwich dish, disc rotors or something like that, it's all going to weigh a ton. So that you know, that's why sometimes technologies in the cycling industry just don't seem. As reliable and robust as they as they are before they're you know like as they are when they're in, in in the case of cars or motorcycles or something like that when we're talking about disc brakes, disc brakes work great in motorcycles and cars and trucks and all that kind of stuff because they're not concerned about the weight. They they put the performance of the brake first and then they try and you know they basically see how how they can lighten it up. Um, you know even in the case of Formula One that stuff still weighs quite a bit. Um, but its main focus is that it actually works in cycling it seems to be like well i mean it really should work but if it if it works really really well and it weighs a ton no one's gonna buy it so maybe it could sort of work pretty well you know and this is actually this is a terrible idea in the case of brakes it it should work pretty well but weigh you know it it can't weigh very much so then you, you know we're back to the discussion of of bombing down a big mountain of which we have tons here in boulder and um... And having your brakes overheat, and, and uh, you know, like I said, it's sometimes you don't have any noticeable brake fade, or you don't go sailing off the side of the guardrail or anything, but you get home and you've just you've you've overheated a rotor and destroyed another rotor. And that rotor is pretty much that the the rotor once it's hot and it's been kind of blackened, um, it's kind of destroyed. It's done. It's done. And you, it'll squeal and be a pain in the ass and just be it'll never be the same again. Just take it off and throw it away. So it's just. If nothing else, it's more, t- more time working on stuff in the garage and more money.
0: What are you talking about replacement costs there?
1: Oh, rotors, I think, I don't know. Do you think I've ever bought a rotor? Um, I think rotors are $20, 25 bucks or something. No. I don't know. It sucks. I mean, it's just, you know, you add those up. Right. Every time you're coming home from a ride, you blow another set of rotors. No, you know? I mean, how much do uh, brake pads cost? Brake, pad, I mean, brake pads are pretty yeah. cheap, too, but you don't really go through them, and you don't really you don't damage the brake, brake pads that much, when even when you overheat a rotor. Um, it's the rotor that suffers. Oh yeah. no, I meant you know cork pads. They're pretty expensive. Yeah, they're really expensive. <laughs> but you don't burn through them that much. You know, in a this was actually a problem as sort of at the beginning of disc brakes when you'd be in a race and you you would actually eat all the way through your brake pads during the course of a race and um, in one race. Disc, yeah, disc brakes, um, but and everyone was freaking out about that and I remember actually talking to Leonard Zinn about this uh, when we were in Madison, the first year of Madison when everyone was on mechanical disc brakes uh, for nationals and everybody was, was running out of braking power their pads were wearing so fast in the in the highly abrasive conditions that they'd basically run out of braking power by the end of the race, so when you would pit you would you would bring your bike into the pit switch bikes and your, your mechanic would take your bike away and wash it and before they gave the bike back to you they, they'd dial in the brakes a bit further so you'd actually get some braking power back. And that was sometimes uh, on some of the mechanical bikes, you couldn't make it all the way through one whole lap without your brakes fading to the point that they didn't work anymore. But that happens with cantilevers as well. That, uh, on a cantilever bike in a really, really high contamination race, you will absolutely ream a set of brake pads all the way down to the carriers and you'll actually you'll start to um, really scrape the braking surface and a lot of material off your carbon rims. So you you can destroy, you can pretty much end a set of carbon wheels in a particularly nasty cyclocross race with a lot of braking. So it's kind of same same. thing. And carbon wheels are not cheap. What's the next technological breakthrough
0: with braking that you see as being necessary? Where do we go from
1: here? Well, like I said, we've got to solve the I mean, heat. Obviously, the heat, heat issue. Yeah. The, the, well, the, they're pretty. Re- they're it's incredibly reliable. Just, yeah. And especially the, the hydraulics. Like it's a fantastic sealed system. It doesn't lose performance. It's not like the cables get contaminated, and the levers get hard to pull. The hydraulic brakes are the same, exactly the same day in day out, and that is absolutely freaking fantastic. Um, they will probably. I, I imagine somebody is working on pad technology, so hopefully. You know, getting a combination of pads and rotors just right, so that you're, so that when you are in a high contaminant race, like a really muddy, gritty, silty race that's that's highly abrasive, you're not chewing up your brake pads and you're not and you're not um, eating up your rotors. So I think um, just getting the pad technology down, so pads pads last longer but still perform well, would be would be a, a, a something that would need to be addressed. And then um, the heat issue has to be. It's got to be fixed. And I don't know even what to say about that. I thought double-layered rotors, but they'll weigh it so much.
0: What do you see as kind of the next step in technology other than brakes? Where are bikes going to – what's the next thing in cyclocross?
1: Gosh, I don't even know. I mean, it, I mean, seem, it, it seems like at this point everything's been done. Yeah. I mean, there's, they've so, stuffed so many cogs, have. stuffed so <laughs> many cogs in the back end that you know the 11 cogs is a lot of cogs to have in, <laughs> in the back of a bike um you know the the brakes have been dialed in it's electronic shifting you know one thing i saw when i was at a bike was the new shram e-tap uh-huh. um, the elect it's wireless electronic shifting so i know this is slightly off the topic of brakes but we'll yeah, we'll but loop back to it where we're going but um you know it's well the brake and the lever is all you know built into all one right. these days um that ETAP stuff was really flipping cool. And if they can make it reliable... I mean, think about never having to cable up a bike again. Thinking about, think about a bike that doesn't even have cable stops on it. It would have one set of stops that run the hydraulic line to the, to, the, um, back, to the back wheel from the handlebars, and the rest is just bare. It's not there. There's nothing there. The stuff seemed to work really, really well. It seemed to be ultra-reliable. Imagine um, needing to change a derailleur, like you, you crash and you break a derailleur. You just, you pop your chain, like you, you pop the link in your chain, and you unbolt the derailleur and take it off. That's it. There's no cable, no adjustments, no nothing. It's abs- it's, that's intoxicating, man. And if they can get this right, and it works well, it'll be really flipping cool. Di2 um, from Shimano, you know, obviously wired electronic shifting was a huge deal, and Shimano just knocked it out of the park. Um, but that SRAM eTap stuff, I, I ab- I'm absolutely certain they're going to do a hydraulic eTap lever. So once you've got wireless hydraulic, reliable, hopefully shifting, with hydraulic brakes, it's it's over, man. That's cool as hell. <laughs> as, l- as long as they can make it work, I mean, I, I just really hope they can make it reliable the etap um the, the etap front and rear derailleur has its own dera- uh, has its own battery and you can actually remove the battery so you can remove it for charging or if you you know if you're out riding you could carry just a spare battery in your pocket with your wallet or you know with your with your phone and if you run out of shifting power you just pop out pop a new battery in the derailleur the the system is is neat but one thing we actually did that was hilarious was um, you, you could ride up behind someone and and pop the little tabs on the battery and steal their battery. So, so, so for racing or for you know for for if you have nefarious friends like like me, um, you'd probably want to duct tape that thing on or something and make sure no one can mess with it. We stole a guy's battery; it was hilarious. Upcoming events? What's uh, what's up for the butter team? Uh, not much. We're just going we're gonna keep racing. Um, coaching juniors and and making them faster than us that's always that's always kind of a little hard to take you you're sort of a bit like a proud father when you when your own juniors kick your ass but it's also like getting shot with your own gun you just teach them all this you know just beautiful incredibly efficient smooth riding and you just watch them get better and better and better and then one day you just watch them right away from you and you're just like shit it's cool though it's just it's it it makes your heart swell it's absolutely beautiful and so, um, yeah, not, much, not a, we're not doing a ton in the way of events. We had a, a good party at Vecchio's on Friday night that was hilarious. We had a, um, a new butter event that we came up with. Um, it was called the Butter You Up Challenge. So um, two people were blindfolded and each of them had a, p- a piece of Wonder Bread and some butter and some sprinkles in front of them. So you're blindfolded and you can't see and you've got to put butter on a, on a piece of Wonder Bread, um, put sprinkles on it and then feed it to your teammate. And then your teammates got to f- find the butter knife on the table. Well, this is all blindfolded. Put butter on the bread, put sprinkles on it, and feed it to you. And it was messy and hilarious. And the guys from Alpha won. The guys from from Alpha down in Centennial just killed everybody.
0: Now, I had been hoping to go back from Mississippi to
1: be a part of that event. And <laughs> you when you, I heard you butter- might be glad you missed you it. Up,
0: I, I thought you were going to be buttering each other.
1: Oh, yeah, that sounds a bit gross. I didn't think of that. No, no, it wasn't that at all. It was oh, okay. it was totally it, it was above board, hands on table. <laughs> it was so, it was fun though. <laughs> summation for braking what's that? Summation. Um It's it's definitely going in the right direction. I think it's you know, like I said, it's great for juniors. It's it's um it's becoming you know, the brakes on bikes are becoming more universal so that so that they're they're more effective for a wider range of people. Um way safer way more predictable um makes people feel a lot more confident and you know especially in the case of you know stuff like mountain biking and cyclocross people feel more confident they feel like they can stop when they want to um i i I think it's a great thing i'm i'm still just just tapping my fingers waiting for the euros to get on it and just and decide that they that they like disc brakes um, and, uh, you know, I, I think it'll really take off after that. But it's just, it's the same thing. It's like that, just sort of the Fred Flintstone thing we were talking about a while back. Like why, why the hell are we trying to grab the rim of the bike out at the tire with like some janky bike, like rubber pads? You know, it's, that's full on horse and cart shit. And every, almost every other wheeled vehicle on the planet has, an ad, you know, a more advanced system like disc brakes. We can do this, and it can get a lot better. Um, so you know, I, I just I see it obviously continuing and, and, and doing well. I mean, at some point, it's going to have to settle down, and you know, all the like the through axle standards and the you know the the hydraulic this and cable actuated that. I mean, it, that's all going to have to settle down and, and hopefully become somewhat standardised, especially for the frame and wheel manufacturers. But I think it's going in the right direction. I love it.
0: Good to see you again here at Rubens Burger Bistro in Boulder, Michael.
1: Always a pleasure. And uh, now, we're not going to be
0: on schedule next time, but we will be here on Tuesday, November the
1: third. Tuesday, November. Okay, yeah, I'll put that I'll in be my calendar right now.
0: November the second.
1: <laughs> okay. Oh no, got it. Okay. So we'll just be a day late. Just a day late. Oh man, people will be sitting by their computers, panicking. I know they'll be up all be night. In here
0: just going, Who the hell is oh, it? Ah. <laughs> see ya. Just like butter, Boulder, Colorado. For Michael Robson, I'm George Thomas. ACAST powers some of the world's best podcasts. Here's a
1: show we recommend. I'm Meredith Masony. And I'm Tiffany Jenkins. We're the hosts of Take It or Leave It, a podcast where we discuss all things marriage, motherhood, and everything in between. Join us every week where we sit down and talk about parenting, even though we don't really know what we're talking about. We have guests, we take your calls, and we get weird. Tiffany and I are just like you. We are two struggling moms who have no idea what we're doing. Join us on Take It or Leave It, an advice-ish podcast for parents. ACAST recommends.